Once again, make your way to your seats and go ahead and get started. series of sermons we've been doing over the last few weeks called The Way of Jesus. And uh, just to remind you where we're going and where we've been in this series, Jesus actually had a way of doing things. He actually had habits. He had a routine. He had actions that he would always do it and uh, characteristics about himself. Of course, he is God and he's perfect in all ways because he is not only God here on earth, but he's also fully human. But because of those two things, we can learn a lot by looking at Jesus' life and see how he lived, how he did things, how he operated, how he acted. And we've talked about a few of those things. Uh, one of the things that we talked about the very first week was Jesus had a life of prayer. Everywhere he went, he was praying. And that's important for us to look at that and understand how important it is for us to have a life of prayer. And I want to challenge you to say that prayer is something that we do besides right before we go to bed. It is also something we do besides just right as we're about ready to eat. You know, I laugh and, and I said uh, during that sermon that a prayer for your dinner should be more than good food, good God, good food, good food, good God, let's eat. <laughs> uh, it should be a thank you for him. You know, we laugh, uh, Chad is your turn, I'm going to give you a hard time, so... There you are. I was looking for you over here. But uh, we laugh because on Thursdays, Pat and Ted and I meet at uh, Dunkin' Donuts. And I, I have often prayed for our breakfast on Thursday morning before we're about ready to eat. And I'm like, as we dive into this beautiful, wonderful, fresh baked donut, Lord, may you change those calories into carrots and nutritional value to us. As we eat it, no, I'm, I, I'm joking around, but in all, in all sincereness, we should thank the Lord for the food that we have. In addition to that, we talked about Passover. We had just a wonderful Passover meal together as we celebrated uh, Passover and, and uh, talked about how Jesus himself celebrated Passover and what that was all about and why it's important for us to celebrate Passover. And then, of course, we talked last week about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and why it is important not only for us to view his sacrifice and what he did on the cross for us, but also to look at and, and consider how is Jesus asking us to have a life of sacrifice? How is he asking us? What is he asking you to sacrifice for? And in fact, uh, just this morning during, uh, this is my, my weekly plug for uh, the Sunday morning Bible study, Y'all should be there. It's really good, by the way. But uh, you hear me, y'all? I'm, I'm preparing to go to Tennessee for vacation, so I have to say y'all a few times, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, in that in that Bible study, they're talking about the story of Acts and, and the jailer specifically, the earthquake that struck the jail, and you know uh, the sacrifice that the jailer was about ready to make for himself. He was he's going to kill himself because he was going to be put in jail. But because of Paul and Silas standing up and saying, don't do it, we're here, we're all here, he didn't make that sacrifice. But sometimes God calls us to sacrifice things for us. 
for the betterment of the kingdom of God. And so we have to look at that and follow Jesus' example on that. But today we're going to talk about something completely different, uh, another habit or personality of Jesus. And what we're going to talk about is this word fellowship. Now, I have to say that fellowship is a funny word. And uh, back when I was 16 and I first came to know the Lord, someone goes, I want to have some fellowship with you. And I'm like, I have no clue what you're just saying to me. I didn't know what the word fellowship meant. I didn't know uh, any idea what that meant. And I grappled with that a little bit. I'm like, uh, okay, I think, you know, it's okay. And what I learned to understand is that the word fellowship actually means it's just a Christian fancy term for saying, let's spend time together. Yeah, let's eat. Some people, yeah, okay, let, let me rephrase that. Some people do look at fellowship as eating, right? And that's okay. Especially if you're going to have fellowship with me, I'm okay with having food, right? But the truth of the matter is fellowship is defined as a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. And then I jokingly put at the end the Christian word for spending time with each other, right? Jesus' life is characterized by people. You cannot look at Jesus without understanding that Jesus spent time with people. Everywhere he went, there was people around him. Now, I know some of you are in this room saying, no, wait, Pastor Jason, you don't understand. I'm an introvert. I don't like people. I don't want to spend time with people. But you know what? Get over it. <laughs> if you're going to follow the Lord, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to believe in the gifts that God has given to us, then you're going to have to spend time with people. You cannot fulfill, listen again, I'll bring this up again because I've been trying to do this every other week or every other so week. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it says what? Yeah, go into the world, right? To share the message, to share the gospel, to share the, the good news of the gospel to the people. And it says to go into all the world. How do you go into all of the world without actually being with people? You can't. It's impossible. Now, I will certainly understand and I'll tell you that one of the most difficult things in the last two and a half years with COVID has been the separation of people, right? COVID has caused the world to be completely separated. It isolated everyone. It isolated us in our homes. It isolated us from other people. It isolated from doing just things that we would naturally do. And I'm not here to say that we shouldn't uh, have that that it wasn't necessary. I'm not, I'm not here to argue. I'm not here as a doctor or uh, any of those things to say that that wasn't important. But what I know today is that this world is in some desperate need of some good old-fashioned fellowship. We need to learn to get back to spending time with people. We need to learn to interact with people. We have, for the last two and a half, three years, been trained to not spend time with each other. We have learned to spend time to go home and sit in front of the TV and watch TV, uh, to uh, binge watch our favorite show on Netflix or YouTube or whatever you're doing or whatever streaming service that we have to pay a million dollars for now, it seems like. But the truth of the matter is, is that we've got out of this idea of sharing time with each other. Jesus was with people everywhere he went. There was never a time that Jesus was not with someone except for when he pulled away to pray. You understand that Jesus' life was a sacrifice to us, not only on the cross, but everything that he did. 
There was never a moment in time where he was not sacrificing himself for us. And so when we look at this, we, I, I often hear people say uh, a couple things. A couple uh, messages always come through when you talk about spending time with people and fellowshipping and, and, and being together with people. The first thing is, I don't have enough time. That's the very first thing people always say, is, I don't have enough time. Well, we certainly find enough time to do the things that we really want to do, right? We find time to watch TV. We find time to uh, do the things that we our hobbies, our actions, the things that we like to do. But we don't have time to meet with people. The other question, the other thing I get all the time is that, Pastor, you just don't understand. I just need to be away from people. I get that. I do. Sometimes it's nice to draw back and to, to just spend time. I, one of the things that I love doing is just drawing back and being in nature. I love going in my backyard and, and just uh, some <laughs> seems a little odd, and, and don't judge me for this. If you do, that's okay. I don't care. But uh, sometimes I'll take a folding chair and go back in my woods and just sit in the woods and think and pray. Just drawing the wave and being there. And I get that. I, 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 I understand that. But also we have to understand that we cannot share our faith with our friends. We cannot share our faith with our family. We cannot share our faith with those around us unless we're with each other, unless we're fellowshipping with each other. Now, someone might say, ah, oh, pastor, you're, not, you're forgetting about the internet. You're forgetting about social media. You're forgetting about all of these things. I am not. I understand that there are things, things called Zoom and FaceTime and all of those things. In fact, we use them daily. But nothing that you can do technically or technology-wise, I can't say that word, that's not coming out of my mouth, right? But whatever you can replace will never, whatever you can use that you think you're replacing good old-fashioned face-to-face time will not ever work. I had an opportunity uh, over the course of years to counsel many couples, and what I've been finding is I've been counseling uh, these couples, and I'm finding as the couples get younger in age, they've not learned how to have a conversation with each other. They love each other, they'll say that, they'll talk about the love that they have with each other, but when it comes down to actually setting down and having a conversation or a discussion about something that's impacting their family, that's not, they can't do it. In fact, it was so bad that there's one particular couple I met with, no one that you guys know, so don't, don't start looking around. Is it Casey and Alicia? No, it's not them. Is it Corey Lane? No, it's not Corey Lane. Is it no one that you guys know, so don't even start thinking, Tom, Becca, Roberts, none of these. I had a conversation with them, and I began to ask them, I said, what happens when you guys get in a fight? I don't have my phone with me, dang it. But they would pull out their phone, and they'd go like this. And I'm like, wait a minute, you seriously don't fight face-to-face, -face, you fight over text? <laughs> yeah, we fight over text. That's how we have to communicate. The world has forgotten what it's like to be face-to-face -face with each other. And to, to, to just deal with each other, we have to get over that. Let's pray. I've gone way too long in my opening, but let's pray and we'll uh, <laughs> jump in to where the Lord is taking us today. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are our God that wants to spend time with us, that wants to be face-to-face -face with us, that wants to fellowship with us, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would help us as a church to grasp a hold of that concept, to grasp a hold of what it means to be face-to-face, -face, what it means to have conversations with each other. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. We exalt you, Father, because you are worthy of 
all of these things. Help us today to achieve what you want us to learn from this message, Lord. I pray that you would remove any hindrances and stumbling blocks. And Holy Spirit, I ask you that you just come and invade our minds and our senses so that we can understand what you are speaking to us through Scripture today. Lord, I pray that my words would not be my own, but they're truly your words. And that you would guide us and direct us, not only this day, but every day to come. In Jesus' name we pray. So Jesus, as I said, was always around people. And in fact, we, we see this multiple times in Scripture. One of those, for example, is Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there to Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. In those days when, again, a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Now let's just pause there for a moment. Jesus has been with this crowd for three days. Now we're not talking about you know, a handful of people. This isn't his disciples that he's spending time with. This is a large group of people and he's been with them for three days. You could call this the, the, uh, the Jesus conference, right? <laughs> or you could call it the the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount conference, or whatever you want to call it, but in, in essence, these people have left, left their homes, left their jobs, they've left everything that they did to come and spend three entire days so far with Jesus. Now, I will tell you, in today's culture, it's hard to get someone to just spend a few hours on a Sunday morning here, let alone to spend three days with Jesus. Three whole entire days. They came and spent time with him, listening to him teaching. Jesus says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Now my question is, what did they eat before these three days? <laughs> did they bring their own food? Did they bring their own uh, lunch? You know, did they bring their brown paper uh, snack packs or whatever they would have to, to share? But three days they have had nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from afar away. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, listen, I cannot send these people away because they have not eaten for three days. If I send them away, they're probably going to faint. There's going to be some, something happening. Jesus loves people. Even to the point that he loves them so much that he thinks about their stomach, and he thinks about their hungriness and where they're at. And so he says, I cannot send them away hungry to their homes, for they will faint on the way. He goes on to say, and his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before the people and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that those also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full of leftovers. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of now I will tell you this, 
Jesus loved his people. Jesus loved all humans. So much so that he wanted to feed them in one of his greatest miracles that he did with just a few loaves of bread and a few fishes. He fed 4,000 people. Now, just a simple fact, as a pastor, I like to look at this number and say, 4,000 people? He preached three days to 4,000 people. That's an amazing thing. It's amazing that 4,000 people gave up their life and time to come here, but it's even more amazing that Jesus paused for four days to spend, or three days at least, to spend his time with these people. Jesus loved them so much so that he not only did he spend his time interacting with them, that he had compassion upon them and did not want to see them go away hungry. There's no doubt in my mind, there's no way that you can get around this if you can continue on reading story after story that Jesus was always around people. It doesn't matter where he was. He was always spending time with people. You can think of any of the great stories. The only time that we see Jesus drawing away or not being around people is when he was drawn away. Even then, he wanted his, his disciples to be somewhere close to him. Why is this the case? Why is Jesus always around people? The simple fact is that the gospel cannot spread to other people unless you are with people. You have to interact with someone to see the gospel message spread. We have a message that Jesus has given to us. We have a commandment that Jesus has given to us. In order for us to see that commandment spread, in order to see God's kingdom grow, we have to be with people. You cannot isolate yourself from people. You cannot stand away from those people and say, I want to see God's message, but then we don't. I want to see God's kingdom grow, but then you never spend any time with people? How is that going to happen? We have been given an opportunity to share. We have been given an opportunity to spend time with people. Jesus invited people to join him, his disciples. He went into the onto the beach and he's inviting his fishermen to come and join us or join him and he says I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say I'm going to isolate you from everything else that's going on he said I'm going to make you fishers of men which means you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to find them. I don't know how many of you have ever gone fishing before but if you've gone fishing before you know that it's an active process of trying to find where the fish are at. You have to search you have to cast over and over and over again unless you're sued then you just cast out once and you catch a Right? Uh, yeah, lake. Her lake. Muzzy Lake is on your lake, Sue, just to let you know. <laughs> but the simple fact of it is that you've got to find where they're at. If you're going to fish, you've got to find. These disciples were called to find people, to spend time with them, to share with them. Jesus wants us to fulfill this action, to be with people to walk with them, to be around them. Now I have to tell you, I want to be very honest with you and say that here at Passion Community Church, we believe that we are not building a church, we are building a family. It's one of the things that I always like to say. We're trying to build a family. We're trying to build people that want to spend time together, that love each other. Yes, we're trying to build a church too. Yes, I understand that. But the simple fact is that a church is not just about the group of people that come in, it's about the family that we are taking in. A church is way more than just a group of random people that come together for a few hours on Sunday morning and then leave. That is not a church. A church is what happens in the six days outside of that Sunday morning service. It's how much time you're interacting with each other. It's how many time that you're spending with each other. It's how much 
action and, and FaceTime, you're with each other, you're rubbing shoulders and you're helping each other and you're doing things and, and you're there and, and you're spending time. That's what Jesus was trying to teach us. He's trying to teach us this word fellowship and what fellowship is, is spending time with people. There is no way that you can have a church of people that come together and then don't have and don't spend time together and don't interact with each other. If you have a church that doesn't interact with people, then guess what? You don't have a church. You have a gathering of people. And there's no reason to go there or be there. A church is way more than that. A church is a fellowship of people coming together to spend time together, to love each other, to grow with each other, to help each other. I know that my gifts, my giftings are not the same as Pastor Chess. I give him a hard time every Sunday. And I felt a little convicted last Sunday that I gave him so much of a hard time. So I apologize. I should be saying. <laughs> but I know that my gifting is different than his, but I need his gifting. And I but you know what I need more than his gifting? I need his fellowship. I need his friendship. I need the time. When Miss Tanya and uh, Pastor Chaz and, and Jen and I get together. And we play cards, they always win, but that's besides the point. But we have this wonderful time of just spending time together. Because it's a, it's a family getting to know each other, getting to, to grow with each other. We're going through issues. When they have an issue, they know that they can call me and I can pray for them, and I will pray for them. Miss Tanya had her headaches. I was praying for her all week. Didn't, she had a headache all week, but <laughs> she had a headache. We pray for her. We get to know each other. And his name wasn't Chess. Yeah, I stopped. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> the simple fact is this. A church is a church of people only if they're fellowshipping together with each other. There's way more than a church than just coming together on a Sunday morning and hearing great worship music and, and spending time here in a teaching those are wonderful things, and it does make a wonderful for a wonderful church, but it's only a very small part of it. A church is really the family time that we spend together, building each other up and growing with each other. In fact, let's look at another story here. Let's look at another. Turn your, uh, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. This is the greatest picture, and I know I've, I've uh, preached on this uh, not too uh, far in the past here. Recently, I've, I've mentioned this verse a few times. But this is the most wonderful picture of what it means to be in fellowship together. These are the disciples who have spent time with Jesus are now building, the, building this Christian family together, this church, if you will, together. They're building all of these things together and spending time together. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, as I read that verse, there's a couple things that pop out to me. 
And as I begin to understand and dive into exactly what was going on during this time, we find that these are Jesus' disciples who are now left. Jesus is gone. He is, uh, he is evacuated the earth. He has gone from this. He has been raised back up into heaven. And so his disciples are now left here to build the Christian church, to build the church of Jesus Christ. And they're trying to figure it out. You know, we have the story uh, early on in, in Acts chapter 2 that the, the people around the disciples thought, thought they were drunk because they were speaking many different languages and all of these things. And Peter stands up and says, no, they're not drunk. It's only noon or it's only in the morning. They don't, they're not drunk. And he goes on to share this message with the people and many of them were saved. And what Peter is having to do and what the rest of the apostles are having to do is have to understand, what do we now do with this group of people that we have? How do we, what do we do with these people that are coming to know the Lord? We can't just leave them alone. We can't just let them operate on their own. We have to join them. We have to teach them. We have to come together as one. And that's exactly what happens. But there's something, a couple things that happen during this verse. Number one is that something happens when we spend time together. There's no doubt in my mind that these people could have went on their own happy way. They could have went to their own little towns and went to their own little houses and did whatever they wanted to do. But there's something special happens when we spend time together. You know, I often talk about the uh, garage culture that we live in today. The garage culture, as I call it. But the garage culture is that, is that we get out of our nice little suburban home where we live in. And we all have garages that are big enough to fit all, our, all of our cars we wish, but uh, so we, we park inside our garage, and we get up in the morning, we get dressed, we're spending this time in our in our garages and in our houses, and then we go out to our car, we get in our car, we open the garage door, we pull out, we drive to work. We spend eight hours at work, a lot of times with our headphones on, our earbuds in, and, and doing our jobs, and we don't really interact that often with people. We don't build relationships with people on our job. And then when we're done with that, what do we do? We get back into our cars, we drive back home, we hit the garage door, the garage door opens, we pull into the garage, we shut the garage door, the garage door shuts, and we go into our house, never to be seen outside of our property again. Unless we need the money. Someone can And some way to do that, yes. However, having said that, there's no interaction that we do in our own communities. Do you know that the scripture calls us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors as ourselves? What does that mean? That means that we are supposed to know who our neighbors are. How can we love our neighbors if we've never had any conversation with them? If the only time we see them is when we're driving down the road, we get back in our car, we're going to, we're going to work. See, the simple fact is that Christianity does not grow without fellowship. Christianity does not grow without us knowing who we live by and spending time with people. It's a simple fact. Jesus knew that and he encouraged us and he gave us the example of doing these things. To grow in our faith, we must also grow in our relationship with other people. Now, there used to be a time in our world that we knew who our neighbors were. There used to be a time in our world when we knew all of our neighbors around us and maybe some of you do today. And that's great if you do. It's fantastic. We need to continue doing that. I will encourage you to continue to love on your neighbors as yourself because that's what Scripture says. And so we should we should learn to do those things. We should learn to grow and, and learn to spend our time with our neighbors. But it doesn't just end there. 
See, it's when we spend time with our neighbors, we get to know. And just this uh, two weeks ago, my neighbor called me up and said, uh, well, over the, I should say, over the course of a few months, my neighbor was calling up and they had their uh, uh, older father living with them. And he was wheelchair bound and they didn't have a, uh, a path going down, you know, a wheelchair ramp coming out of their house. And so he called me up and he'd call me up every once in a while, every other day, maybe and say, hey, can you come over and help me carry my dad out? Sure, and so we'd go. I'd go over to the house and we'd pick him up and carry him out. He's going to the, the doctor's appointment. And I got to know him, um, Kenny was his name, and I got to know uh, a little bit about his life. Well, unfortunately, Kenny passed away. And as I was talking with my neighbor, my neighbor came over and said, Hey, would you uh, do the message, the funeral message? And I said, I'd be honored to do the funeral message. I say that today to you because without a relationship with Robert and Pam and my neighbors, then I would have never been in a position to do that. But we were able to uh, bless them and be there and, and help them through mourning through the loss of their father. But there's something special that happens when we join together. There's something special that happens. And it's not just our neighbors, there's something special that happens with me as a church gathered together. You know that there's, and I often wonder this, I wonder how many, how many people really know each other? I know there's a few people visiting with us today, but, and there's a lot of our church missing today. Of course, 80 degrees out and sunny, right? But I wonder how many of us know what's going on with each other. You know what each other is suffering through or going through? See, as a church body, we should understand that. We should know that. We should know how our brothers and sisters that we set beside every Sunday and are supposed to be family are operating and going and what they're going through. If you don't understand that and you don't know that, then there's something wrong. You're doing church wrong. Because, again, a church is supposed to be a family of people who come together and that live together and come to in this place. And we see that Jesus says that there's something special that happens when we come together. In fact, if we go back to the beginning of Acts again and say they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Do you know that <laughs> that something special that happened was that they were getting together outside of Sunday? <laughs> I laugh about this because, you know, how many of us actually spend time with each other, praying or in the Bible, with someone who's outside of our immediate family, someone from the church, outside of Sunday? I can give you that answer. That's very few. I understand that. I know that. And the truth of the matter is, is that we, did, we, we in our mind, because somehow we have this, uh, we, we need to just, we have to have a Sunday morning thing going, and that's great. Sunday mornings are, are a wonderful celebration. But Corey and I talk about this all the time. Our church has to be more than just Sunday morning. We have to be doing more than just coming together on Sunday morning. We have to be doing more than just being here on a Sunday morning. We have to be sharing our hearts together. We have to be living together. We have to be, when I say living together, Pastor Chaz will be sleeping on your couch, right? Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is doing life together, right? Let's do life together. Let's spend time together. When's the last time you invited someone in the church to dinner? Either at your house or a restaurant. When's the last time you went up to someone and said, hey, listen, I'm going to meet with you. And even if it's not every week, if it's every other week, I just want to pray with you because we need to pray about things. 
We have been given a spiritual mantle. We have been given this holy mantle here in this place, and we need to move forward in this community and, and see the community develop and grow and, and the kingdom of God grow. There's something special that happens when people meet together. Acts 2, 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Miss Tanya, you are absolutely correct. See, right here it is in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. When you get together, there's food. Even if it's just breaking of bread. You get that food out, you break that bread, and you have time together. But they are devoting themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they found that it was important for them to not only just meet on Sunday morning, but it was important for them to meet other times of the week to get together, to pray, to break bread, to pray together, and to talk about the teaching. How many of us are doing that today? Where are we? How many churches are doing that today? I guarantee you that until we get to a place where we are doing life together in this way, it's going to be hard for our church to develop into what God wants it to be. Why? Because it isn't until you rub elbows with someone that you really get to know them. You know, for years, Pastor Chaz and Miss Tanya were in this community, and we had relationships, and, and it was a decent relationship, right? But I really didn't love them like I do today until I spent more time with them. It wasn't until we developed a friendship, and, and I beat them a few times on the golf course. Oh, I'm sorry, I said I wasn't going to do that, Pastor Chaz. Sorry. But no, it wasn't until I spent time with him in a friendship that we begin to develop this and, and have this time. It's required for a relationship for you to spend time with each other. They studied their Bible outside of Sundays. Can you imagine that? So they didn't just come to church on Sunday morning, open up their Bible, and then they go home and they do this. Well, we'll see you next week. <laughs> and then Sunday they pulled off. I gotta make sure it's not dusty. So when I go into church, looks like I've been reading my Bible. You know, I might want to fold the corners over or something like that, right? No, they studied together. They spent time together. They shared dinner together. It's a heritage of the church for each other to spend time, for all of us to spend time together. Jesus wanted to spend time with his people. He wanted to spend time with the disciples. He wanted to spend time with each other. The disciples wanted to spend time with each other. The disciples wanted to rub elbows and have lunch together and do those things. Acts chapter 2, verses 43 and 44 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now let me ask you a question. Were the apostles able to do wonders and signs without people around them? Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at the stories in Acts, you'll find some pretty amazing things that happened when it was just the two of them. But guess what happens when you bring people together? I mean, we, we are called, bless you, we are called this thing, we are called the body of Christ for a reason, right? The body of Christ has hands, the body of Christ has feet, the body of Christ has a head, the body of Christ has a heart, the body of Christ also has a backside, but it has all of these things, Right? And in order for the body of Christ to operate in the way that it was intended to operate, it needs every part of it. It needs every portion. It needs all of its fingers. It needs all of its toes. It needs its hands. It needs its heads. It needs everything so that it can operate the way that it's supposed to. 
The reason why awe came upon every soul is because the group of people were coming together with their giftings. They're merging them together. And they were doing many wonders and signs in the community because they were working together as a family together. It just happens that way. Why do you think in the old days, in years past, many years ago, they had large families? There was a lot to do, right? Yes. You needed to plow the fields, you needed to feed the horses, you needed to feed the cows, you needed to do all of these things. And so they'd have multiple, multiple, they'd have lots of kids so that they had help. Today's answer to this question is not that we go out and have lots of kids, but if you want to, go ahead and help yourself, right? Uh, grow the church that way, we'll dedicate that, and that'd be great. Corey and Lena, I'm looking at you, right? There's only one, we need more, let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alyssa, yep. Oh, she's not back there. Becca's not back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. But the truth of the matter is that until the body of Christ comes together and takes each of our separate gifts, brings it together, the body of Christ cannot be what Jesus intended it to be. The reason why many wonders and signs were being done is because they had the giftings of everyone coming together. Now listen, I can tell you this is a very important part because when Miss Tanya prays for me, I know she's praying for me. I can't tell you exactly how I just feel it inside of me, that when she's praying, I know she's praying. When someone else is there and I don't, and listen, uh, this morning when Pat, when Pat and I showed up early, we're getting ready to get the church ready because you have to understand all of those tables that are back there are set up every Sunday. The stage is full of uh, risers that they use during the school. And so we have to take that apart. Well, I, I have to be honest with you, I hurt my arm this week and I haven't been able to really use it the way I want to use it. I can't hardly even stretch it completely out. And so I came in, and as I started to do this, Pat looked at me and he goes, Ah, stop it. You're not allowed to do that. I said, Well, it needs to be done. I'm not going to leave. Pat, you're not a young chicken anymore. Someone needs to help you, right? I need to be here to help you. I'm not going to let this go. No. He wouldn't let me do it. I thank him for that. But the truth of the matter is, this is the body of Christ coming together to do the work that is set before us that needs to be done. And it can only happen when we come together as a body of Christ, loving each other, sharing with each other, spending time with each other, understanding what's going to happen. And when two or more are gathered, who's there? Yeah. If Jesus is there when two or more are gathered, if the Lord is there when there's two or more gathered, how many is he, how often is he going to be there when there's three or more, or four or more, or 10 or more, or 20 or more, or 30 or more? Hundreds of more. See, when we are believers spending time together, fellowshipping together, wonderful things happen. And awe can come upon every soul. Verse 43 all who believed were together and had all things in common. Listen, I this is a I know the very first thing that someone I I've shared this message before, and someone came up to me afterwards and said, do you mean I gotta sell my house to give to someone who doesn't have a house? And I said, No, I'm not telling you to do that. Unless the Lord puts it on your heart, that's up to you and the Lord. If the Lord tells you to do that, that's up to you. But what I'm saying is that when there are people in need in our midst, we are called to share what we have with those people in need. We live in a very blessed country, financially, physically. Mentally, uh, food-wise, we have a lot of things. And when someone is in need, isn't it nice to be able to help someone else out that's in need? That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. 
coming together to help each other. And so the only way that we can know that you have a need, though, is what? We spend time with each other. If you don't come and we don't spend time, we don't rub shoulders together, we don't have this conversation or a relationship with each other, then how can we know that you are in need? Or how can I know that I have something that I could give to someone else? See, God moves through us. God calls us to share what we have with other people, to help each other out. Again, I'll get back to the way that our our, our communities and our neighborhoods used to be many years ago. When you had a need, you'd go to the neighbor and ask them. If you needed sugar, guess what? You went over and asked your neighbor for a, a cup of sugar. If you had, if you're missing out on something else, you went over and asked for that. I used to laugh all the time because we had chickens at our house, and so all of the neighbors knew that when they ran out of eggs, they could come to our house for chicken. Or not for chickens, but sometimes for chickens too. But, uh, but in this particular case, eggs. And so we would freely give them eggs. Sure, come on over. Here's, here's a couple of eggs. I'm sorry, I'm sick. She's giving me a dirty look. <laughs> See, fellowship means spending time with each other, talking together about the Lord, praying together. When we do this, when we spend this time together, I promise you the Lord is going to move. And many wonderful things are going to happen in our midst. Jesus tells us that day by day, attending the temple together, or Acts, I should say, Acts chapter 2, verses 45 through 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. When we learn to share what we have, and when I say share, I'm not talking about our physical goods, I'm talking about the time that we have. When we learn to love each other, when we learn to spend this time with each other, many wonderful things are going to happen. Can I be completely honest with you, church? At one point, our church was really good at this. At some point in our history, we were really, really good at spending time together and having this family-like atmosphere. And then as many churches experienced, COVID has totally blew that up. And today it's hard to get people to come together for any reason, let alone church, let alone any outreach, let alone anything else that's going on. But it's time that we look back to scripture, look back to what Jesus is saying and say, it's time to get back to this fellowship. It's time for us to spend time with each other. It's time for us to be real with each other. It's time for us to stop saying, oh, I'm blessed, everything's okay. No, it's not. Everything's not okay. And if we would just share with each other, then we would have an opportunity to pray. If we would just spend time with each other, we'd have an opportunity to share life with each other, to spend this time together. It's time as Christians that we move away from the past and get to where God wants us to go. Because here's the, here's the simple fact. We are closer this day than we ever have been to the end of the days. The Lord is bringing, I believe, the Lord is bringing this thing to a wrap. I believe if we look around, we can see many Signs and things that are that Revelations talks about that's going on in this day and age right now. But I gotta be honest with you, when the day and age comes that Revelation says is coming, I want to know who I'm spending time with. Right? I want to know who's who's on my right side, who's on my left side. Because what we're going to face as a church is something that we've never faced before in, in America. Persecution has been happening all over the world. It hasn't really come that bad to America. But it will be coming someday. If Revelation is hold true, and it will, because God is true and his word is true, 
then what we're going to experience is we're going to need to know who each other are. We're going to need to know that this is the gift you have. This is the ability that you have. This is what I can do. This is what you can do. And how do we come together as a group of people joining together as one? If you don't spend time with each other, if you don't communicate with each other, if you don't fellowship with each other, then we'll never know what that means. God, Jesus himself, fellowship every day. He loved fellowshipping. And by the way, you understand that Jesus didn't just fellowship with his believers? Who did he fellowship with? He fellowship with the tax collectors. He fellowshiped with a prostitute. He fellowship with Jewish uh, believers. He fellowship with anyone he could. Why? Because he had a message to share. See, if we would get past living for ourselves and what this world means to us and understand that we are here on this earth to share the kingdom of God and to grow the kingdom of God, then we could fellowship with those people. We could have friendships with people. We could grow together and we could see not only the church and many wonderful, awful things, not awful, but that was wrong. Many wonders and awe that happened in the church come together it would be an amazing thing. But we have to take a step off, take a step away from where we have been and say, this is what I want to do. I want to live life with each other. Now, how do we do that? How do you spend time? See, the truth of the matter is we're called to be a family and ask worship to become. We're called to be a family. The last time I checked, Families meant more than just once a week. You know, I, as you all know, I've recently had a grandchild, and we get to see her about once a week, sometimes a little bit more. And you know what? I want to see her a heck of a lot more than just once a week. Why? Because she's my family. She wants to spend time with me. I want to spend time with her. I, I think she really cares as long as she's being fed and diapers being changed, right? But I want to spend time with her. I want her to know me. I want to know her. Nothing more is joyful than when I pick her up and I look at her and say, Are you proud of those little girls? You know, she smiles away. That's awesome, right? The reason why that's so awesome is because we're a family. We're spending time together. Guess what? I want to pick up Chaz's face and go, are you guys your favorite guy? But the truth of the matter is that we are called to be a family. We're not called to be a congregation. We're not called to be a church. We're called to be a family. And out of that family bubbles up this wonderful thing called a church that changes the community, changes the world that we're in, and sees God's kingdom grow. But it starts with us spending time with each other. Now, I'm going to challenge you today. I've challenged you over the last few weeks and last, uh, actually last few months about spending time with each other. Inviting someone that you don't know to dinner or even inviting someone that you do know and spend time with them. It's a sad testament when we look at outreaches and Sunday school and other things that we do here at this church and it's very few people attend. Why is that a sad testament? It's a ta sad testament because unless you are part of those things, unless you come up with different reasons to meet together, you're missing out on building that family with each other. And so I want to encourage you right now in this place to say I'm going to commit myself to becoming and having fellowship with the people that I worship with.
I'm going to invite them to dinner. I'm going to invite them over to my house. Help me unpack, right, Gordon? I'm going to invite them to a bonfire. We're going to do these things. Until we as a church like each other, which I think we do, right? I hope. Until we as a church start to bond together and operate together, we'll never really become and change the community the way that God intended us to change it. Because why? Because we need to build each other and we need to have each other working together to see the change happen in this community. I will tell you what, April 3rd, Friday, April 13th, Friday the 13th to do the dinner for, or May, yeah, Friday, May 13th, but I, maybe we should have picked a different Friday, but that's okay. I'm not superstitious, whatever, I don't care. But the simple fact is that that day we're going to be serving breakfast to all of these seniors, right? You want to see your pastor cook? Come out and help me flip some pancakes, set make some eggs, make some sausage, serve some seniors their breakfast. When I say seniors, I mean 12th graders. <laughs> you want to love each other? You want to spend time with each other? Then invite each other to dinner. One of the things Pastor Chaz says right next to him right now is that through a generous donation from someone in our church, they donated a whole bunch of Applebee gift cards. $15 Applebee gift cards. Now, I know if you go to Applebee's, it may be a little bit more than $15, and that's okay. What I want to encourage you to do is come get one of those gift cards, and then go to someone in the church and say, listen, I want to get to know you a little bit better. I want to spend time with you. So here, let's go to Applebee's. Let's go have some bourbon street steak, or whatever they call it, right? <laughs> An Oreo shake, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say the answer. <laughs> And if you didn't catch that, that's a country song. Yeah. Listen, the truth of the matter is until we spend time with each other, I don't want to date you, Chad, until I know you, okay? So, so, <laughs> I heard you. I heard you. But the truth of the matter is, is until we spend time together, until we start loving each other, until, until we start rubbing arms together, we'll never know the giftings that we have right here in this place. Because you don't know what that other person does. You don't know what that other person... I know. Pastor Chaz knows. We know that this person has a specific gift. We know that this person... And by the way, if you're going to... I didn't even talk about discipleship. You can't disciple someone or be discipled by someone unless you're actually spending time with them. And so I'm going to encourage you today. Encourage you here to spend that time with each other. Please stand with me, please. Maybe it's a pipe dream, maybe it's a something that I've asked for a long time, but I believe, again, that we are called to be a family. Some of you are my family. <laughs> Some of you are a blood family, but there's others here that I would also call family too that are not your blood. But I've had long relationships with all of you, most of you. I appreciate that relationship. I love that relationship. But in order to have fellowship the way that Jesus describes and had fellowship himself, it means that we have to do life together. And so I want to encourage you to break out of the stigma of COVID, to put to bed COVID and say, listen, even if, 
Listen, one of the, I think one of the downfalls of the church was that we didn't find ways to make it happen even through COVID. I think we should have been more proactive in finding ways to make it work even with the pandemic that we were on or in. And we did with Zoom and everything else that we did, live streaming and all that stuff and meeting in Corey's basement. But the truth of the matter is that a church and the body of Christ needs to be together. It's called to be together, to fellowship together. So I want to encourage you this day and every day to come to the place of understanding that we need to fellowship with each other. And I want to challenge you to do that. Come and get one of those gift cards. Take someone to lunch. Take someone to dinner. Spend time with them. Invite them. Ask them how things are going. How can I pray for you? What can I do? What do you like? Those are things that we need to be doing together. We need to be sharing life together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I'm going to just ask you for forgiveness, first of all, Father. For not striving to have a fellowship with each other and all the people in this church and outside of this church in a greater way. Help us, Lord, to sacrifice our time to fellowship with each other, to learn and to love what each other has. Lord, you have gifted each and every one of us in a special way. And Lord, help us to learn that those giftings are exactly what we need in our lives and in the, in the body of Christ called Passion Community Church. And so, Lord, today in this very place, I ask you, Help us to understand that even in our midst there are people that are going through things that we can help. Help us to build the friendships. Help us to build the family. And to become the body of Christ that you call us to become. Lord, we ask you this day to help us to overcome any of the stigmas, overcome any of the shame, the embarrassment, or whatever it might be that keeps us from meeting together. And you call, Lord, on you to bring us together the way that you call us. Lord, I believe that we are entering into the final days. And I want to know who's on my right and who's on my left. I want to know who I'm going into battle with. I want to know that I can trust them. I want to know that this is the skill set that they have. This is what they are able to do, Father. And I want to know that so that we can together fight a good fight all the way until the day that you call us home. So, Father, help us today to love, to fellowship, to grow with each other in the way that you call us to grow. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here today. I ask you that you help us to make that commitment. Not for our own good, but for your sake, Father, for your kingdom. And Lord, it all starts with you. And so, Father, I know that in the group this size, that there may be someone that's either here with us or watching at home online that they have never given their life to Christ before. And so in the way of Romans 10, where it says that Jesus, where Paul was speaking to the Romans, saying that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our hearts, what he did on the cross was for us that we could have everlasting eternal life. So Father, in this place right now, right here, we ask you that you would help us to do that. Father, help us to come into this saving, 
Thank you for your salvation and your death on the cross that saved us and gave us the opportunity to have eternity in heaven. Lord, as we have done this, we say thank you. We look forward to spending eternity with you. But Father, in this place right now, just bless us. Teach us, Father. Show us what you expect when it comes to fellowship. Show us what you expect when it comes to us spending time with others and loving each other and learning to spend time with each other. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. relationship with was struggling 
person came and went from church every Sunday and suffered through some pretty amazing things and unfortunately lost their life. We had no clue that that was even going on. I made that commitment to the Lord that day when I experienced that at that church. I said, Lord, I'm not. I don't want to have a church like this. And that church was a wonderful church that we were at. I'm not speaking negatively to that church at all. But what I'm saying is I want to have a church that we're a family, that we know what we're going through, that I know that you're struggling, that, that you know I'm struggling with this, that we're real with each other. It's one of the things I say all the time. I just want to be real with each other. This isn't holding back. It's not what we need to do, especially in the time and age that we live in today. What we need more than ever is to have a group of people that love each other so much so that we can be real with each other and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm going through. And we only do that by fellowshipping and spending time together with each other. So I encourage you today, come up and grab one of these gift cards and then go invite someone to dinner, to lunch. Listen, you can come and take this gift card and walk away and let me know what you did with it. God will know though. And uh, I don't have to, I don't have to contribute because God will have his own way. So let him do the work. I don't have to, he can be the bad guy, right? Truth of the matter is that we need to love each other. So come and grab one of these, go to lunch with someone, get to know them, spend some time with them. Share your heart with each other. Learn to be a family together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do in our midst. I pray today, Lord, a blessing upon every single person that's in this room that's watching online. May they be blessed with your spirit. May they be blessed with you. May they walk in the blessings that you have given to them because of what you did on the cross and what you call us to be. Lord, help us to become a family. Help us to know each other, be real with each other, to love each other. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. We love you all. In Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next week.